Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Hangouts and Headlines, November 29th, 2022. It's Tuesday. We had an excellent show, I think, yesterday with Mr. Ian Runkle here, and I'm glad to say we're going to have no one here today. Sorry. No, we don't have any guests in the back room today, but we do have a very interesting story to talk about, and it's one that I think is a little bit more serious than most that we cover here in Hangouts and Headlines, and honestly, I picked it out because, one, I thought it was interesting, two... I really didn't know anything about the politics or the way the government was set up in Fiji, uh, which is a smaller country that we don't really talk about a lot. And three, there are constant discussions about the importance of freedom of speech and freedom of expression. In fact, yesterday's article that we covered in headlines about whether or not you had to party with your employer, whether or not you could criticize your management for forcing those parties was all related to the concepts of freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And I think it's a little bit easier for some of us in some countries to get into the weeds about what freedom of speech is, what it means, and to not necessarily really go to the places where freedom of speech is an open question entirely. Uh, And so I wanted to cover this particular story today because it was surprising to me to see exactly how that looks uh, in certain of these countries, these regimes, however you want to call them, uh, certainly outside of the the ones that we recognize as totalitarian or authoritarian China, uh, etc. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about Fiji today. Um, Fiji is mostly a place that I know of from being the the location that uh, Truman wants to go in the Truman Show. And outside of that, I don't have any experience with the country at all. Maybe you do in the chat. Maybe some of you uh, live in Fiji, that would be a surprise to me. But hey, uh, you never know when we have a chat and a gathering of a whole bunch of people. Uh, so let me know. Before we do that, of course, where are you hanging out this morning? What are you doing? What did you do yesterday? Anything fun to share? Any pieces of media I should know about? Anything interesting uh, that's happening? I think I saw in the chat before this episode started that National Writing Month is coming to an end and that I think I saw that at least one of you uh, finished the hit the goal that you wanted to write for in November, which if that's true, I think that is awesome. Uh, that's a lot of dedication to just focus on that for a whole month. Um, so I want to definitely say congratulations to that if that did happen. Um, but uh, outside of that, what has everybody got going on? Brit asks if Fiji is still a country. According to the New York Times, it is. I thought the U.S. made that into a territory a few years ago. Laughing emoji. No, the U.S. doesn't make all islands into, into territories. Although sometimes it feels like it does. Oh, you know, I love you, but it's hard for me to choose between you and Dave and Chuck the Freak. You strike me as a Drew and Mike guy. Well, so the good news, uh, these are references to radio hosts in the morning uh, here in the Southeast Michigan area. Uh, the good news is I uh, I haven't had to commute very much in the last few years. Uh, so I haven't had as much time to, to really engage with our, uh, uh, with our radio hosts. But no, I, I think actually uh, it's, uh, it's my opinion, not yours, comes from Dave and Chuck the Freak, if I'm not mistaken. So sometimes I say that because I heard it about 6,000 times when I was commuting to Ann Arbor uh, because Ann Arbor is about a half hour away from Northville. And uh, certainly in inclement weather, which Michigan has its fair share of, uh, you get to hear a lot of, uh, a lot of radio and radio hosting. So uh, I, I think it's Dave and Chuck the Freak. I can't actually remember this. Uh, but uh, they would do the news items. They wouldn't always be serious news items, and they would have some kind of editorialization, and it would it would end with, that's my opinion, not yours. Um, and so I occasionally say that, I think, in this space, uh, just because it's it's the natural way of me finishing the sentence. It's, it's just my opinion or something along those lines. Uh, but, yeah, Drew and Mike... You know, I think actually what I was listening to mostly when I was commuting was Mike and Mike, uh, which is a sports radio from from ESPN, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but no, I appreciate it. Definitely go go where you are happiest. Go where you've got the uh, the best content that you enjoy the most, because we're not going to be talking about, uh, you know, celebrity anything here. We're going to be talking about freedom of speech and getting thrown in jail for criticizing a court uh, in Fiji. So it's a little bit different subject matter uh, than either Drew and Mike or Dave and Chuck the Freak. Uh, but certainly I have missed getting to just revel in various uh, radio shows talking about the Michigan Wolverines. So that that is missed. 
Uh, Sherry's excited about Emily D. Baker this morning. So lots of fun stuff going on today. Uh, Purple Heart, I'm excited because EDB is going over Amber Heard's appeal, her brief, uh, at 11 a.m. Central Time. So that's that's noon to us in Eastern Time Zone. Uh, but that'll be fun. That'll certainly be fun. I think it's, uh, at least as per Ian Runkle's tweets, it is a stronger piece of legal documentation uh, than the amicus briefs that you've seen various of my colleagues on the internet read. Uh, and I would cover more of this in this space, folks. I really would, except that I've just been inundated with stuff on the video game technology and especially Microsoft and Activision side. Uh, and I'm I'm probably not going to get to everything that people want me to get to in those documents anyway. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not really inclined to add Amber Heard, Johnny Depp stuff right now, uh, but we'll see. I, I did get a number of lovely comments uh, when I said yesterday that uh, I know a number of my colleagues have talked about the amicus curi briefs and, and had those conversations that I wasn't necessarily going to do those. And, and a number of people came out and commented that they, they still like my opinion and they, they'd love to hear it, uh, even though they've watched all the other videos. Uh, and I think that that's, that's really cool. That's nice to hear. Uh, but I just don't know. I just don't know. Midnight Wind has big news today. I finally found decent Christmas cards. That's the big news. LOL. Honestly, there are a lot of bad Christmas cards that people send, somewhat amusingly sometimes. So if you found cards that you like, I think that's a good, that, that is big news. We, we all have little victories every day, right? That's that's one of them. Uh, so hopefully you're happy with the card that you're going to send out. Uh, what else do we have going on here in the chat? Ardo says, I don't watch TV, but I do watch a radio. It's relaxing. What are you saying about listening to it? Well, you can, you can certainly watch the radio, uh, unless you're in kind of a cartoon universe and kind of has rings around it or otherwise indicates that it's on. I don't, I don't think it's going to do much moving for you. Uh, but if that does it for you, absolutely. Uh, Judgment-free. You want to watch your radio, go watch your radio. 100%. Brett, back when ESPN radio was at least tolerable, Mike and Mike in the morning was good while it lasted. I, it lasted, what, 15 years? Um, but it, it was good. The, the biggest problem with ESPN radio, I found, was just the number of commercials. Just a lot of commercials compared to content. Um, and so... That was always a bit annoying. Obviously, national broadcast, you could sometimes do a little bit better local, uh, but they did coordinate their commercials. So it was always, if one of them went on commercial, you just have commercials all the way to Ann Arbor. Honestly, if I was still commuting to work, I'd probably be doing podcasts more than more than radio broadcasts because you can target more of what you want to listen to. Uh, but I don't I don't have to make that drive anymore uh, right now. Sherry says, yes, we love your opinion. I I, I am trying to do as much as possible I actually either streamed or recorded five separate videos yesterday. So I'm, I'm a little tired even now uh, while also doing some work. And end of month is always fun at the law firm. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting get back to work uh, 36 hours here. Uh, but I'm glad to have the opportunity. I'm glad people are interested in what I have to say on this stuff. That's always nice to see. Sardinisms, the Amber Heard stuff comes with blood pressure warnings for me. I definitely prefer that not to be the way I wake up. We would have fun with it. If I covered it in the headlines, who knows, Thursday maybe. Um, if I covered it in the headlines, it would be uh, in, a, in a relaxed position. We'd all kind of hopefully gain some information and insight together on it, uh, and it would not be designed to raise blood pressure. But I can't make promises, certainly. Sardism says maybe you could hop into Friday Night Frenzy with Rob to go over it. Yeah, without Lawyers and Dragons on Saturday morning, sorry, uh, for December, I, I might show up on Friday Night Frenzy uh, once or twice at least. Uh, you know, they go late for me. I'm a morning person, as you can probably tell. Um, and so we kind of cover the day, but I can't usually make it as late as they go on that particular show. So maybe I could pop in. Mike says, I think University of Michigan over Purdue is a given. I'm tempted to say that Michigan deserves number one over Georgia. <laughs> Don't. I'm not going to say Michigan over Purdue is a given. I'm not a crazy person. Purdue likes to make people unhappy. And Purdue will also be, be playing for the Big Ten Championship. So I think it'll be, it'll be a fun game. It'll be an interesting game. I think Michigan's the better team. But I never take a college football game for granted. Strange, strange things happen in college football. Um, but if we do win the Big Ten again, I'm going to order just a ton of back-to-back -back champion shirts and mugs and hats. It'll be grand. It'll be grand. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Many says note to self, never do daily roulette while on your level 90 character in Final Fantasy 14 before going into work. You get sucked into a little Final Fantasy 14, Minnie. I've been there. I've been there. Maya Johnson says, I used to go to the University of Michigan. What are the odds I saw you from a crosswalk downtown? Mm, limited. Limited. When I was at the law school, I was really hunkered down. I was really in the law library and the student union and, um, you know, my, my, my dorm room, uh, at the law school. So I didn't, I didn't get out much. I was really focused, really, really focused. Delirium says mornings are overrated. Join us in our insomnia. If I don't sleep enough, things go badly <laughs> with my, both my disposition and my physical well-being. So, you know, we're already we're already testing the limits with uh, how, how late do you stay up and when do you start head, hangouts and headlines? So it's a, it's an open question. Secret McSquirrel says YouTube died on me. I'm sorry, Secret McSquirrel. I really am. Uh, yeah, YouTube has had issues, I think, for this last week. I've had it die on me a couple times. Thankfully, not while I'm trying to stream, but I did take a few days off there. All right. Well, it seems like everybody's just ready to go. Uh, so I think that's that's awesome. This New York Times article actually is pretty long because it gives a lot of background and feed you. So maybe we'll just start early. Just have a quick 10-minute hangout, and we'll, we'll follow up with, uh, with hangouts after we cover the article. But if you didn't read this, it's really interesting. And the reason I wanted to talk about it was really because of things like this, right? We cover tech a lot in this space. We cover Elon Musk. Elon Musk is um, is having a moment on social media. He's fighting everybody. Uh, and he, he had a whole sequence talking about how Apple is 30% tax. Sounded like Tim Sweeney, right? If you followed Epic versus Apple with me, sounded like Tim Sweeney, but just a little bit crazier. Um, and he's been going off about how Apple um, doesn't believe in free speech. And he's trying to make Twitter more free speech oriented. And, and he says things like, this is a battle for the future of civilization. Now, understand, he's talking about his ownership of Twitter and how to run Twitter. If free speech is lost, even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. Okay, America, last bastion of free speech, obviously very self-aggrandizing. Uh, and to some extent, again, benefit of the doubt. I don't think I would run Twitter remotely like Elon Musk does, but you probably have to have at least some level of ego and self-aggrandizement to, to kind of make these choices and decide to step into this particular fight. That said, there's a lot of this um, from Mr. Musk. Uh, it, it's all enemies all around the gates. And I wanted to talk about like real freedom of speech issues. Um, real, real freedom of speech issues happening around the world. Yes, it's very important that we have freedom of speech, freedom of expression in the United States. Twitter moderation policies are not really where those begin, end or die. But I understand being at least a little bit zany about that if you just spent $40 billion to go have the right to be that zany. But this was an article I saw in the New York Times a few days ago, I want to say like three or four days ago. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting. So we talk about headlines. This is a good one because it's kind of almost clickbait. It, it, it's almost that kind of titling in a YouTube video that says, oh, I, what does that mean? I need to know more about this. He pointed out a judge's goof. Now he faces jail time in Fiji. Now, what's interesting about that is I do think the headline reserves the right or has maybe potentially implication. This might just be the way that I read it. Suggestive of somebody that has nothing to do with Fiji. Uh, that someone just pointed out a goof and now is potentially indicted or in trouble in Fiji. That's not the case. This is actually, I, I'm going to go with Fijian, I think is probably the right pronunciation of that. Uh, but uh, it still relates to a country that has uh, some very different thoughts on freedom of speech. And this is all in light of politics. So again, if you are from Fiji, if you have greater insight into Fijian politics, leave a comment. Let me know. We're going to be taking the New York Times word on this to some extent, which is never a safe play, obviously, in headlines. Uh, but we have to do that because I don't have greater uh, greater understanding of the Fijian political scene. The subheadline here is a lawyer who made light of a legal document's error was convicted of contempt of court in a sign of the island nation's eroding civil liberties. So... The basics here are going to be, and we're going to look at all the details, uh, but that a potentially political person pointed out some errors that were made, specifically a typographical type error, uh, in a court judgment and 
Fiji decided that that was unacceptable. It was an error that could have happened to anyone, especially two years into a pandemic. In a court document, a judge in Fiji twice wrote injection when he meant injunction. Now, while I do think everybody's a human being, I do want my judges to not make that particular error. Given the power that the judiciary and court systems around the world have, we really don't want to be messing around with the word injection uh, in a court context. And especially when we're talking about one of the words that is probably the most used uh, by judges in injunction, uh, which refers to both mandates and prohibitions that are going to be asked for in most, maybe most, a lot of trial contexts to ask the court to use its authority to stop something or to mandate something. Uh, and we see that in context that we've already covered in a number of the court cases we've covered in this space for somebody asking the trial to do something early, what we call a preliminary injunction. Hey, while this court case goes on, the wheels of justice move very slowly. We need to preserve the status quo or we need the court to do something that will uh, help because we're going to win this case at the end of the day and we shouldn't have to wait all the way to the end. <laughs> Brit already with the snide comments. We have to take the New York Times word. It's worth less than the raw paper it's printed on. It's a difficult situation to be in because we can't judge everything that is said for ourselves, but we can judge the way that it is talked about. So we're going to try to go through this article with that understanding, with that critical thinking uh, on our, our critical thinking cap, as I think my old teacher used to say. Uh, and, and we'll see if we can we, we'll see if we can suss out if there's any particular issues here. But it seems pretty straightforward. We'll see. We'll see. And so after this injunction reference was substituted for the word injection, I believe twice, yeah, a couple of times, uh, we get to somebody mocking it, which of course would happen in the United States. It might be an entire Twitter thread. It could be a Reddit post. Who knows? And so in a gently mocking Facebook post back in February, Richard Nadu, one of the most senior lawyers in the Pacific nation, pointed out the mistake, concluding with a thinking face emoji. He now faces up to six months in prison. I, now, thinking face emoji. I obviously read out the emojis when you all write them to me. That's that's got to be what I call the hmm, right? It's 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 the it's the hand on the chin, and kind of like that. Is that what thinking face is to you all, or is that a different type of video, a uh, different type of emoji? I looked at I looked at video in the chat. That's what happens sometimes early in the morning. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's this one, uh, but I'm not entirely sure. So if you have a different thought about what's the thinking face emoji. You know, leave it in that chat and I'll, I'll see if uh, I'll see if I can highlight. Yeah, I think it's Kelly's here. It's this guy, right? Hmm. That's my understanding. So so this guy points out the mistake and then puts this emoji there. I think, yep, Brit agrees. It's this guy. And and this is going to go terribly wrong. Uh, and so I'm very thankful to live in a place where the thinking emoji can't wind up uh, with me in prison. I don't think, at least right now. So that's a uh, that's a very good thing. With Fiji facing a pivotal election, aren't they all, on December 14th, the case is the latest example of government criticism being met with the strong arm of the law over seemingly trivial issues. Outside of the region, Fiji is perceived as a Pacific haven, the palm-fringed paradise emblazoned on high-end bottled water with golden beaches and endless azure waters. You had to use water twice in that sentence, New York Times? Come on. Yet to its smaller neighbors, it is a powerhouse to be reckoned with, and one that often portends their own shifts towards or away from human rights and democratic freedom. So Fiji, we think of as small. We think of as an, an island nation out there in the, in the sea somewhere. And one of the things that the New York Times is trying to do in this paragraph is establish that the way Fiji goes is the way at least some of these other countries or smaller islands is going to go. And I, I don't know whether I believe that or not. They're trying to establish... This is effectively the why you should care paragraph because you get to this and it's like, well, New York Times, I'm sitting here in Michigan. How much should I be concerned about Fiji? That's not me necessarily because I get concerned about all these kinds of stories when you talk about people getting thrown in jail for emojis uh, and things of that nature. Uh, but a, a reasoned reader could look here and say, well, why, why does it matter? And so this paragraph is like, well, Fiji controls at least some of this island stuff, that it, it dictates the direction that these things are going in. And if it starts to lose its civil liberties, you should care. 
Fiji is one of the largest Pacific Island nations with a population of around a million people, a powerful military, and a GDP many multiples, those of Samoa, Vanuatu, and the Solomon Islands. But its image of picture-perfect vistas and dreamy vacation homes belies a turbulent electoral history and what analysts describe as a growing disregard for civil liberties, which have together elevated tensions ahead of a critical election next month that many fear may devolve into unrest. So much like some of the heated rhetoric we get in the United States and perhaps in your jurisdiction, if you're living elsewhere, um, this is describing a situation where, you know, election is coming. People are a little bit upset. People are a little bit uh, frictionful. Uh, and this is the scenario in which one of the senior lawyers on the island uh, gets thrown into jail for an emoji. Peaceful transitions of power have not always come easily to Fiji, which has experienced four coup d'etat since 1987. I'm sorry, Fiji. And which is often described as a quote unquote conditional democracy. I want this is something I want more information on New York Times. What what does that mean? What is a conditional democracy, a by, our, a by our leave kind of democracy, which is, of course, no democracy at all? Its Pacific neighbors have also struggled to reconcile traditional power structures with respecting the voice of the people. This year's election comes as divisions deepen between those Pacific nations that have allied with China and those that retain close ties to Australia, New Zealand, and the United States. I know we have some Aussies uh, here in, in the chat and, and watching the channel most mornings, uh, but... You see the New York Times, and again, I we kind of have to take their description of this at face in order to have the conversation they want us to have, but I can't speak to whether or not, you know, the, the, the Pacific Islands are separating between, you know, West and East uh, right now and coming up on pending elections. Fiji's relationship to China has been evolving. After an initial burst of investment from Beijing, after Prime Minister Frank Bonimarama, 68, took power in a coup in 2006, Fiji's government has become more selective in its partnerships with the Chinese government and Chinese companies. But it's not clear how Beijing would respond to a change in government or unrest after a disputed result. Yeah. So you've got a, a prime minister here uh, that took power in 2006. Then the government kind of leans away from China, again, according to the New York Times, but even though they're leaning away and it's not quite the same as at the power kind of height, at least as described by the New York Times in, in the early 2000s, we're, what we're saying is we don't know what China would do if there was an, a mass change in leadership at the island. An unstable Fiji is bad for the region because it creates an opportunity for China to exert its influence, said Dominic O'Sullivan, a professor of political science at Charles Sturt University in Australia. He added... It makes it difficult for Australia and New Zealand to remain on friendly terms because they'll, at least to some degree, try to defend democracy. So as described here, you've got a real balance of power kind of question. And you might say, hey, we're pretty far from talking about emojis and people being thrown in jail. Again, what this article is trying to do is establish a description of what's happening in a region that most of us in the United States probably aren't terribly familiar with. It's probably too black and white, and it, it's probably the fact that a given political science professor could argue the opposite here, that uh, Fiji going through a transition in power, and it's a little bit unclear what this professor means by unstable uh, in this context, but Fiji going through a transition in power could wind up with China having less influence. Uh, it, it's, it's always the case when you talk about like political science and vectors for power and things like this, that one side or the other can be represented by a professor. So when we talk about headlines and we talk about articles, it, it is always interesting to see like what a writer in the United States selects for in these kinds of questions. Um, because I can't speak to the Fijian government. I can't speak to whether or not the upcoming election would go one way or the other vis-a-vis -vis totalitarianism or democratic values. Uh, and we're not really getting that from the New York Times, which is one thing I would like to see from an article like this. We're instead kind of getting these raw assertions of it would be bad if Fiji were to be destabilized. Nobody generally likes destable countries, uh, but it's New York Times hasn't done enough legwork up here to suggest that the December election is, is a destabilizing force. 
So we kind of just get this quote thrown at us. Doesn't really work for me. I don't know if it's working better for you in the chat. Fiji, a British colony from 1874 until its independence in 1970, was once seen as a standard bearer for human rights in the Pacific. But over the past two decades or so, so really the 21st century, protections around civil liberties and freedom of speech have gradually eroded. Rights advocates now warn that the judiciary is far from independent and that freedom of the press is at a worryingly low. Now, some of that sounds pretty familiar to the United States people, at least as it's reported to us right now. Lots of fights about the judiciary, lots of fights about the court system. Uh, I'm sure a number of folks in the United States would say civil liberties have been eroded. Um, I think that's probably a joint project of our of our leaders. Uh, but it is interesting from another perspective to look at this. And while I think Mr. Musk is self-aggrandizing for what Twitter means, look at it as potentially, okay, so 20 years, they went from being a standard bearer to not being a standard bearer anymore. And is this something that we can learn from? Maybe not. Maybe maybe a different demographic, certainly a larger country, different powers, different strategic interests. Uh, but it is interesting to watch because as someone that talks to you regularly, puts up however many videos I put up per week, is in the business of communicating expression and speech, um, they are certainly values that are very important to me. And it is interesting to see. If you criticize government, the implicit message out there is you could still get prosecuted under several different laws said Kate Schutz, a researcher on the Pacific for Amnesty International. So that's the other bad part. Certainly I criticize the government enough here. I might as well make shirts saying how much I disagree with John Roberts and his way of writing opinions for the Supreme Court. Uh, and that is the kind of story that we're actually looking at here. If I were in a different place in a different jurisdiction and I made the same kind of commentary, that I make regularly on this channel or in my tweets or elsewise, that could get me in trouble. And that's that's no way to live. In 2014, eight years after he came to power, Mr. Benamarama reintroduced democratic elections, which he and his party, Fiji First, won with around 60% of the vote. Four years later, in 2018, the party barely achieved an absolute majority. This year, as Fiji contends with rising inflation, as well as the shock of the pandemic to its tourism industry, coffers and health system, polling suggests his victory is far from assured. So just from that history, that's not generally what I would call democracy. You take power in a coup d'etat, uh, you bring in democratic elections where you win all, almost you know, a, a huge percentage of the vote, 60%. You win again four years later. You're coming up for, I guess, re-election in 2022. Uh, I guess, I guess now what they're talking about with unstable up here is if this guy, Mr. Bonamarama, gets voted out of office, that that could result in a more Chinese Fiji, which I'm a little uncomfortable with as a notion because China is being used as a boogeyman here. We don't want Chinese influence in Fiji. And yet all of this is talking about the value of democracy and the eroding of civil rights. And it would seem that if the Democratic majority votes him out, that that overall is an enhancement of democratic values in, in the country. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, we're talking a little, little bit about political science here. That doesn't mean that a, a Democratic vote results in what we would call a Democratic outcome. That the people of any given country or any given jurisdiction can vote for all manner of monsters. Uh, that's one of the reasons why the United States is not a true democracy. We can talk about that a long period of time as well, uh, but that we use representatives and we're a constitutional republic with rules on systems and things like that rather than a true democracy. And I don't know that I don't know that any country is running a, a true democracy uh, right now. Maybe I could be corrected on that. Certainly not my bailiwick uh, in discussing the various governments on Earth. Uh, but it is interesting to see The New York Times kind of fight with this a little bit. That essentially they're okay with the with the current guy uh, because that's stable. We know what we're dealing with, and that sounds almost like United States interests. You hear this a lot from kind of the State Department of okay, we're for democracy, but we also like knowing knowing who the guy is that we have to deal with uh, in the in these countries. Generally speaking, bigger countries, the United States is more worried about, uh, but you can see it kind of writ small uh, with a place like Fiji. 
So clear is the call for a for a fresh face that even the incumbent government is running on a platform of reform with the slogan, we are the change. People are alike all over, right? To quote one of my favorite Twilight Zone titles. Um, at some level, you got to respect the, the, the gall, the, the temerity of, of having a government achieved by coup stay in power for decades, have people get upset with the direction of the country and have that same government run as we are the change. Um, I wonder how that's playing with the Fijian people. Uh, I, I suspect not awesome, uh, but it is, it is an amusing tidbit in this article from the New York times, the ruling party's increasingly repressive moves to retra- retain power and its gradual constriction of liberties have together created an environment where speaking out against the government comes with significant risks, sometimes months down the line. And this is real chilling effect, right? We talk about the chilling effect a lot in this space about government here in the United States, potentially in other Western countries, creating a moment of pause for wanting to say something out there that it is chilled. And that really does happen here. But when you talk about people getting thrown in jail months after they said something, oh, that is going to really cut down on expression because people are going to rightly be in fear of getting in trouble for what they said. Britt wants to add, I just want to say on the record, I would never disagree with the government or any alphabet agency. I am a good, loyal servant of the corporate overlords. I have no issue with Microsoft, Apple, Google, or any other tech oligarchy. Britt, we were leaving the tech companies out of this for now. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly understand the impulse sometimes to look at what's happening, even in our country, in the United States and say, yeah, this isn't going in a direction that I find to be too swimming. <laughs> this is not going swimmingly uh, in this particular context. Uh, but these are the kinds of stories from outside the jurisdiction of the US where you say, oh yeah, things can go things can go real bad. Um, so continuing on, for Mr. Nadow, so this article is pretty hilarious to me. Again, we, we talk about media in general and headlines, right? So we got the headline, this gets you in the door. But what the New York Times really wants to talk about is the politics of Fiji. We get, okay, we got injection injunction, thinking face emoji, and then let's talk about Fiji for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 paragraphs. So that's the, that's the full story, really. And then back to the lead in, which is admittedly New York Times, good for you, what attracted me to the article in the first place, uh, to give you a little bit of a greater understanding of how bad this is. So for Mr. Nadow, a partner at a leading law firm, there was no immediate official response to his Facebook post, which is good. We, we don't want a government response to your Facebook post, which garnered a few dozen likes and featured a screenshot of examples of the injunction injection error in two consecutive instances, along with the comment, <clears throat> maybe our judges need to be shielded from all this vaccination campaigning. Hi, YouTube. Speaking of non-governmental chilling effects, I'm sure you're happy that I just said the word vaccination. Thank you so much. Um, And now we start to get into the politics of it a little bit, right? So injection certainly can be a reference to things that you might otherwise be talking about in the vaccine or vaccine mandate kind of conception. This becomes a political statement uh, on both sides of things, but we can also equate it to the United States a little bit because obviously in the tech platform oligarchy, as Britt so nicely put it in a super chat. Thank you so much, Britt. Um, you do have chilling with places like YouTube. And I, I think it gets a little tricky for people because I, I tell folks, YouTube can do what it likes. It, they built the platform. It's their servers. It's their rules. Um, and I can still complain about them. So I, I will sit here and say, yeah, it's YouTube's world. We're just living in it. And I can also say the way that they're enforcing things like saying the word vaccine Uh, what they were doing for long periods of time with respect to anything remotely related uh, to government, elections, vaccinations, things of sensitivity uh, are chilling to actual commentary, the freedom of speech and freedom of expression that YouTube ostensibly values and puts forth in its mission statement. Same with Twitter, same with Twitch, same with Facebook. I'm not going to single out YouTube as being a particularly bad actor on this stuff other than the fact that they're so big 
and that so many people engage with them for things like Hangouts and Headlines uh, and other types of stories. Uh, but we do have a version of this that thankfully doesn't come with anybody that can throw you in jail or, you know, shoot you. Uh, but it is the same kind of discussion that this is clearly kind of a, sli a, a slight on vaccination stuff happening in Fiji. And if you write a comment like this, you'd make a video about this in the YouTube space. Chances are you're going to get a note added to your video. You might get an email from YouTube uh, and they probably aren't going to let their robots send your video message out very far into the world at all. And the, the secondary part of that from the YouTube perspective is a video that I did in this space that you can check out about essentially authoritative sources. Uh, that that YouTube and Facebook and their brethren in general uh, in the tech space are, are going to give greater power, greater reach, greater authority to what they already view as authoritative sources. Now, some of those are at least defendable just from their position in society, like health organizations. But oftentimes it's like NBC, ABC, Fox, uh, news programs in general that are just more vetted and more authoritative despite not necessarily having the expertise of what they're talking on than somebody that might otherwise, but isn't a news organization. So you do get into these questions and I'm not the guy to come to, to start arguing that, oh, YouTube shouldn't be allowed to do this or Twitter is the real public square. I'm not in favor of government takeovers of these kinds of things, but it is worth noting that the similar kind of effect that can happen from government throwing peoples in jails can at least occur at the margins of having good conversations about sensitive topics with what we use right now is technology. So I probably don't even need to tell you all that. If you're here with me this morning, 500 of you at eight in the morning already, Eastern Standard, thank you so much. Um, and yet, I still think it's worth repeating, even though people often get my position on this a little bit wrong, which is that I say that YouTube is a private company and has the authority to do that. It doesn't mean you have to like what they do. As the months passed, Mr. Nadal appeared at rallies for the opposition to the current government, fueling speculation that he planned to run for office himself. So it's not just a hmm emoji. It's also a political opponent. I mean, we're really going to get right in the line here as to what Fiji's doing. In July, around five months after publishing his post, half a year, he was suddenly charged with contempt of court after Ayaz Sayed. Kayum, the country's powerful attorney general and a government cabinet minister, said the post aimed to ridicule the presiding judicial officer and the Fijian judiciary as a whole. So understand what this now says in context. This guy puts up a Facebook post. Then he starts campaigning for your opposition. The government takes a look at this person of interest and says, let's go troll their social media finds this Facebook post and says, perfect, that's contempt of the judiciary, and we're going to throw you in jail for it. Mr. Nadal was found guilty of contempt of court on Wednesday. His sentencing will be in January when he faces the prospect of a heavy fine or three to six months in prison. He declined to comment. Other opposition figures have experienced similar clampdowns. Biman Prasad, the leader of an opposition party, was charged last month with two counts of insulting the modesty of a person after he greeted the wife of a former political colleague with a hug and a kiss on the cheek, with the charges subsequently dropped. But the charges are enough to start this chilling effect that we were just talking about. The use of the courts to restrict criticism has become more common in Fiji, which passed legislation making it easier to prosecute people for what they post online. And that sounds draconian or dystopian enough but understand that even in the West, there are rules that we see, especially kind of out of the, the, the British territories uh, in Canada and the UK that have these kinds of notions about getting in trouble for what you might post on Facebook. We're seeing that spread across many countries in the Pacific, said Joseph Benedict, a researcher covering the Asia Pacific region for the civil action nonprofit Civicus. The United States and other democracies in the region, especially New Zealand and Australia. Hello, Aussie Bluey fans have been reluctant to criticize the assaults on freedoms in Fiji for fear of pushing the country towards China. Now, with three weeks to the election, many analysts fear a disputed result 
that could lead the military to intervene either for Mr. Bonamarama or his main opponent, Sidaveni Rabuka, who led Fiji's first coup in 1997. So the opposition, not really the stalwart defenders of democracy that you might want them to be. The challenge is going to be in terms of ensuring political stability and peace and security for individuals in making sure that the military's role is clearly defined. This sounds like they think it's a fait accompli. And that it doesn't have a role in terms of interfering, overturning, or having a say in the government's politics of the day, said Ms. Schutz of, Amnest of Amnesty International. That's going to be the biggest test of this election. Sounds like it's going to be a pretty big test indeed. Uh, because if you've got lawyers getting thrown in jail or threatened with jail time for emojis, if you've got people getting charged as the leader of the opposition party for hugs and cheek kisses, you've got a problem. And if you're already prepping for a military coup, uh, you've got a big, big problem with respect to your election. Now, I don't know how people are going to feel about the Western democracies here saying that they're not going to say anything for fear of driving Fiji to China. I don't know. This is not the strategic political hour here on the channel. And yet you still see the New York Times kind of framing it as something that perhaps those democracies should be more invested in getting involved in. It's always a difficult political question when you've got these kinds of things and you're trying to deal with strategic powers and things. And I'm glad I'm not the decider on this stuff. But what do you all think of an article like this one? I wanted to highlight it. We don't cover this kind of stuff a lot in this space. Uh, but I wanted to highlight it because I really do feel very strongly about freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And it, I think it's always interesting to compare some of the stuff that we complain about, rightly so, with the tech oligarchs, with the things that Britt mentioned uh, here in the West, and how it looks when it really, really breaks down, uh, both so that you can look out for warning signs and also how you can reflect on the things that are distinct from that, right? Google can't throw you in jail. Google can't threaten your freedom. They can do bad things that we don't have to like, but they can't do the things that a government can. And so there are different levels of issue that are presented from something like Fiji in this New York Times article. So thanks for uh, indulging me on a topic like this one. I always try to pick out things I'm interested in and hopefully you all follow along uh, and are interested in it too. It's not Amber Heard's brief, I know. And I'll probably be in Emily's stream as well to check out what she has to say about that. Uh, but this stuff is important to me. I think it's important in general. Uh, so I'm glad we get a chance to talk about it in a space like this one. Rick Cormier, another fight. Authoritative sources are a joke. I did a video on how much they're a joke. Who were the authoritative sources for flight before the Wright brothers? If we only listened only to authoritative sources, we would never advance our understanding of the universe. Well, I mean, the, the big problem is the watchers are the watchers kind of issue, the who decides what's information and misinformation, what's authoritative. And certainly when we look at kind of the polls of who's trusted and who's not, the mainstream media, what I generally call the masthead media here, uh, are not very trusted. I mean, even when I say we have to take the New York Times on, on faith with some of this stuff they're saying about what should be pretty easy to just describe the current state of the political world in Fiji. Uh, nobody really wants to do that. Nobody believes the New York Times isn't picking and choosing some of the facts and some of the ways that it's saying things. We highlighted some of the editorialization in what we just covered in headlines. Uh, but yeah, when you don't have that trust, it it's even worse when you have a company like Google or Alphabet or Twitch or Elon Musk deciding on what should be heard and what shouldn't. Uh, and so I, I think that it's worth having this conversation uh, in this context and others. So thank you, Brett. I really appreciate the support of the channel this morning. It's very, very nice of you. Uh, and uh, thank you so much. Akaruki asks, what did the wife think about it? If someone had come over and tried to lay hands on me, I'd give them a lot more than insulting of modesty. <laughs> well, you know, we don't have the video evidence there. Might have been okay. Might not have been okay. Um, we could certainly imagine scenarios where hugging a, another person is not okay. Um, so that is, that is an open, that is an open question. Certainly worth asking. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, we've got people with appointments, have a good appointment, Sardinisms. Uh, sounds like there's more going on here, says Midnight Win. Could be. That's the problem when you have to take an article like this and you don't have kind of similar reporting and it's just the New York Times. I don't know. I don't know. I can't speak to that. We can point out when these issues happen and when we don't know what we don't know, when we can't see something in an article like this, but it doesn't give us that knowledge, right? It doesn't actually tell us what we don't know. 
David says the Fiji coup happened because a prime minister of Indian descent was elected and the tribes didn't like it. There is a 37% Indo-Fiji in the country. I will not pretend to know the nature, cause, or effect of the late 80s Fijian coup or the early 2000s Fijian coup. It is certainly worth noting when the New York Times says there's been four coups since the late 80s, uh, that that is not the, the the stalwart friend of democratic principles that you want it to be. But it certainly seems like, at least with stories like this one, it's trending in a bad direction. You don't, you just don't want to get sued or charged uh, with contempt of court for making a post on Facebook that is as innocuous as the one that the New York Times details here. So Akaruki makes a great point. Democracy always needs working out. There's always someone out there who thinks it could do better. Yeah, I think what's the what's the classic line about democracy? It's the worst system we have except for all the other ones. Mm. Yeah, so it, it's certainly the case uh, that that uh, that that is happening. Akrugi says this wasn't criticism so much as it was having humor at the expense of. I think that's right. It's kind of a flippant Internet kind of statement. But when The New York Times adds the context that says, well, he's also campaigning with the opposition, I, I do think you can read it as a little bit more pointed than just joking around. Certainly, we have politicians here that joke around in a very pointed way to make specific commentary on what's happening in politics or elsewhere. Mo says Fiji's not close to anyone. One of the first countries to celebrate New Year's Eve each year, time-wise. They're way out there in the ocean. I mean, I, I think of Fiji as one of those kind of completely separate countries, but I don't know what the Western or Eastern powers are thinking about it. I don't know whether there's actually a, you know, a proxy projection of power thing going on with China or whether the US or anyone else, New Zealand, Australia just doesn't want to get involved. It's not worth it. I can't speak to any of those things. New York Times is clearly using quotes from people that it wants to have express the notions that it wants to say. Um, and it's, it's picking and choosing those. I, I can promise you this, that you can find experts that say basically the opposite of what the experts said in this article. That's kind of the nature of putting one of these together. You always have to keep that in mind when you're looking at one of these things. But but it might be the case that these experts are right. I can't go out there and kind of put forth my own value judgment on this because I don't have nearly enough understanding. Here's Nurse Liz. Good morning, Nurse Liz. I hope you're having a wonderful morning this morning. It's lovely to see you here in the chat. We're talking about Fijian politics, national infrastructure, and world um, projections of power. So just a normal one here in Hangouts and Headlines. Sometimes we talk about different stuff. Carrie says, Fiji's an only a four-hour flight from Australia. A ton of Aussies go. It's super popular. As a vacation destination then, Carrie? I can certainly see visiting an island nation to be a, to be a fun time, although not if I'm going to get charged with something. If I say the wrong words, that tends to smooth out my enthusiasm a, a touch. Uh, Sherry says, I think it's capitalism worse except for all the others. I think you could probably say it about most institutional systems. I believe I've heard it with respect to democracy. Wouldn't surprise me if someone says it with respect to capitalism or whatever that country or persons given social institutions are at that point in time. Uh, so yeah, I think it's just a kind of glib statement about everything has faults. Uh, it also probably goes with kind of the grass is greener on some, some things like that. Uh, but I, do, I don't think, at least as described, Fiji has a strong push towards democratic principles. So it is something that would give me pause if I were asked to visit there as a for instance. Uh, Chrissy says, slept in. Good morning, all. That's all right. You can definitely sleep in. You can come in for the, the second half hangouts here. We're just chatting with everybody. If you got something to share with us, wherever you're hanging out in, you've got something you want to talk about, something I'm not properly covering. I get a lot of those messages. Rick, why haven't you done X? I have put out videos every day, give or take, that I've been working, and I can only basically do one topic at a time. So doing our best, doing our best. Angela says, she's late, stupid work. Stupid work indeed. Good morning, Hogan Chat, says Night Eyes. Got just a revival, revival of hangouts. People coming in for the second half, love it. Carrie says, lots of outer islands, good diving fishing, et cetera, fun, kind of relaxing resort destination. I think that's great. That's that's awesome. Yeah, X is the best system we have except for all the others, lol. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What does Fiji export apart from water and juice? Does Fiji actually export that water? I don't know that they do. I, I don't know. 
The West might just not have a good reason to get really involved apart from Big Nose. I don't know. I don't know who Big Nose is, but fair enough. Uh, you don't. You haven't done X because you were going. You were doing A to W. Okay. All right. Okay, Stephanie. Fiji Times stories make more and less sense than New York Times. It's always interesting to at least take a peek at other jurisdictions and other countries and what they are doing. This one, I think, is scary for somebody like me who speaks a lot uh, and wants to believe in that freedom. Uh, but it's always tough to know when we're reading a headline like this exactly how much truth value there is. Uh, Unitary Parliament Republic is their government, but I don't know what that means. Um, at least based on the historical description put forth in the Times here, it means it's a somewhat made up system based off of a coup in 2006. Um, and it's unitary, meaning that it's it's one party would rule. Uh, parliament, meaning that it has something like some a legislature of some kind, whether or not it's under the executive's authority or not. And Republic speaks to representation rather than direct democracy. So it's it's a series of words meant to suggest that the the, the coup leader is the leader of the country give or take. That's how I would interpret it, at least. Caitlin says, both my partner and I seem to have picked up a stomach bug. Unhappy emoji slash side-eye emoji. Are you side-eyeing the bug at that point? The virus? I'm very sorry. Oh, well, could always be worse. That's the spirit. I'm very sorry to hear you're sick. Get better. Get some rest. Thank you for joining us this morning. Talk about this kind of stuff. Angela says, wow, my husband and I were seriously thinking about vacationing there next fall. I would keep track of the elections. <laughs> Uh, it's an unfortunate fact of life that a lot of the places, uh, I know my family would like to travel, but just in general that people would like to travel, you have to kind of really suss out, especially post 2020 as to what's going on uh, within their borders and, and whether or not it makes sense. Um, there are good kind of updates from State Department, which you don't have to take on faith, uh, but that they, they talk a little bit about what's going on in some of those jurisdictions. If you are interested in that, uh, Dan asks, Hogue, have you heard about the firebombing of an independent journalist comedian's house in Australia? I have not. I have not. I did not see that headline. Maybe I will look for that one. That would be, uh, that would be a bummer. You know, I do think sometimes the internet and kind of the global news access can create a scenario in which things feel worse than they are, that there are isolated incidents and, and the number of things that are happening, maybe not as bad as it would appear when you can kind of collate all of that, aggregate all of that uh, into your experience. I think that's part of what society probably needs to discuss long-term uh, about the nature of the internet and collecting all these things. People, and I include myself in this, are generally bad at kind of extrapolating statistics or the state of the world. You see all sorts of polls that say, you know, the United States is more violent than it's ever been. And it's actually less violent by basically all statistical counts from like the, the eighties. Uh, and, it's it's interesting to see those kinds of things because I think the internet and being able to see all the news at once is uh, is part and parcel to that, definitely. This Sarah says, Fiji seems like such a mysterious and beautiful place. Hate hearing it's part of the real world with problems just like everywhere else. Yeah, Fiji uh, is a magical place, right? I think we have a tendency to think that way about islands of all kinds um, here in the United States or, or anything that sounds exotic or that we don't have personal... Uh, understanding of. Uh, but yeah, every place is the real world. People are alike all over. Uh, again, highly recommend that Twilight Zone. Uh, that, that one stuck with me. Britt says, according to my research, Fiji exports water 21.3%, processed fish 14.2%, raw sugar 9.46%. So it looks like they may export that water. Honestly, I didn't know. I thought it was just branding. So Fiji water is from Fiji, maybe. Okay. Really had no idea. There's a brand of bottled water in Australia called Fiji, says Akaruki. We have that here. I just didn't think it was actually from Fiji. So the branding didn't work on me. Zubigin says, Hogue, if you and your family ever decide to make a Euro trip and come to the Netherlands, dinner is on me. Yes. I do love a free dinner, Snippykins. Um, no, that would be fun. I, the family definitely wants to go to Europe at some point. Um, it's just a matter of finding the right time and seeing how things are. You know, we had been thinking about going when the pandemic hit and then that obviously was a non-starter. All sorts of stuff that I'm sure is very reflective of a lot of people's lives and decision-making on travel uh, in the last few years. Uh, and, uh, you know, I wish it were easier. I wish you didn't have to think about so much stuff with that. I really do. <laughs> Fiji's a magical place, see? Yeah. 
If considering tourism, probably worth specifically looking for stories and how they actually treat their tourists. Yep, absolutely, sibling creature. Uh, you have to do research on all of this stuff when you travel. There's no, there's no question. Fiji water created a mystique, says Gino. I didn't think it was from Fiji, so it's a little bit of a different mystique than me. But yeah, it's using that branding to be exotic and fresh. Uh, Kelly says, I live on an island in Michigan and I'm frequently asked if we have palm trees. <laughs> if you do, I want to come visit. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you better come to Scotland as well. All right, Secret McSquirrel. We'll set our itinerary based on where I can get free dinners. Uh, no, Scotland would be cool to see. Um, you know, I have uh, I have Irish in, in my bloodline. Uh, that would be cool to see. Um, I know that the kids in the family would love to see kind of mainland continental Europe. Um, and so, yeah, it would be, it would be fun. I don't think it's going to happen real soon. Uh, but I know that, uh, I know that the family would love to travel. Um, and as, as a person that doesn't travel very often, uh, I would love to make that happen for them. <laughs> Ireland is beautiful, says Carrie. Yeah, you're, you're selling it. It looks like. It looks like uh, it would be a fun trip, certainly. Leanne says, I love Fiji water. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. Uh, got a lot of people in favor of Fiji water uh, behind the scenes. Kate, uh, can you explain? Okay, but is the Fiji brand water the same water that Fiji exports? Those two things are not necessarily mutually inclusive. They are not. We are assuming things here in the chat this morning, aren't we? Um, yeah, it is possible that somebody is branding the word Fiji on water and that Fiji exports like unbranded useful water. <laughs> Uh, but now I want to look this stuff up. Let's see. Let's see if we've got some information on where Fiji water comes from, because that's the kind of stream we've got here. We can figure these things out. Uh, let's see here. Fiji water claims. That's oh, we got we're running advertisements here. You got Cyber Monday ads on on Fiji water. Don't think Fiji is cyber, but that probably goes to where we're accessing this Fiji information. So here, here we got natural. Artesian water. <laughs> I've never read the bottles here on this stuff. Um, okay, so what, what did they say here? Uh, they, I was just reading this. All right, more than water. <clears throat> From a sustainable ancient artesian aquifer in Fiji to more than 60 countries across the globe, Fiji water has been bringing Earth's finest water to the world since 1996. Along the way, its philanthropic efforts have focused on improving the lives of the people of Fiji and protecting the unique place they call home. So at least in their advertising, they say it's from a sustainable ancient artesian aquifer. It must be sustainable because there's a lot of water coming out, Fiji. If they're using that aquifer, it must be big. <laughs> I don't see. Look, what is what does this actually say? It says from the islands of Fiji is actually above Fiji. So and they've made some promises vis-a-vis -vis their uh, their marketing here. I would be really interested to know if there's more to the story than just what Fiji water itself puts out, because I'm always mm, I always question that stuff. Is it really from an ancient aquifer? Uh, I, I, I do wonder. I do wonder on these kinds of things. Uh, let's see if we've got anything in the Wikipedia. Uh, we've got we got a little history of Fiji water here. This is well, we've really gone far afield here in the hangouts and headlines, but I love doing it. Canadian businessman David Gilmore founded Fiji Water under the name Natural Waters of Viti, limited in 1996. Stuart and Linda Resnick's Roll Global since renamed the Wonderful Company. <laughs> you gotta you gotta love that. We we renamed it something very very nice. Acquired Fiji water from Gilmore in 2004 for a reported U.S. $50 million. The Resnick's holding company also owns Teleflora, Palm Wonderful, and Sutera. In 2009, Fiji water had $85 million in sales. Not the most up-to-date Wikipedia entry. Come on now. In late 2010, Fiji water acquired Justin Vineyards and Winery of Paso Robles, California. I'm sure I mispronounced that. Sorry, Californians. U.S. in an effort to extend their brand over a wider variety of products, it produces California-style Bordeaux and Syrah wines distributed globally. There you go, Fiji, also selling California wines. Fiji Water bottles water from Fiji, ships it overseas. The water is sourced from Yakara on the north shore of Vida Levu, the largest island of Fiji. 
in 2007. Disputes with the Fiji government over export duties led to legal cases, impounded shipments, and a self-imposed industry-wide shutdown of Fijian water bottlers. The government eventually dropped its proposed 20 cent per liter tax. In December 2008, Fiji Water laid off 40% of its staff due to weakening sales. They got more of this stuff. The next step for the brand was thought to be a move to New Zealand. However, after threats from the government to give the well to another company, Fiji Water announced its intent to resume operations and accept a new tax levy. Uh, the plant in Fiji has 400 employees. The company also established a foundation to provide water filters to rural Fiji communities, 55% of which lack access to clean water. So that's its philanthropic efforts, uh, which appear to be a part of fighting a tax levy. <laughs> Uh, in 2006, Fiji Water ran an advertisement stating the label says Fiji because it's not bottled in Cleveland. This was taken as an insult by the U.S. City's Water Department. Ohioans always taking insult, I tell you. Uh, Cleveland clearly not as put upon as Detroit. Uh, it's nothing but insults for, for my major city. Uh, Fiji Water reportedly contained 6.31 micrograms of arsenic per liter, whereas the tap water of Cleveland contained none. In a 2015 test of Fiji water bottled in November 2014, performed and reported by the company, the reported arsenic level was only 1.2 micrograms per liter, below the FDA's limit of 10 micrograms per liter. All right. You got some stuff on them extracting the water from their ancient aquifer on diesel fuel, how they market their company. So, all right. Apparently, legitimately from Fiji. Wikipedia wants your money if you want to give it. Uh, and that's a news to me. Honest to God, thought it was branding. Can't trademark the name of a country, uh, but certainly the Federal Trade Commission might have had issue if it was suggested that it was from Fiji when it was not. So I guess it's a good thing that it is, uh, but it's uh, it's interesting. And these, these are the things we learned together on Hangouts and Headlines, folks. Wasn't planning on pulling up Wikipedia entries uh, to talk about Fiji water, but here it is. The Heather says Fijians cannot source fresh drinking water. Eyes open emoji. Yeah, you see that that's why there's a philanthropic effort, right? Is when you are a major multinational kind of company moving water out of the country and there are people in that country that don't have access to clean water, that creates at minimum, without talking about morality, an optical problem for your company. So, yes, thank you for the super chat, the Heathers. Absolutely. Mrs. Hoglaw says, Ireland's definitely on my list. Wants to go to Fiji or wants to go to Ireland. Fiji's just on the mind. Ardo says, Finland's the best. Almost better than Fiji land. Come here and see the Northern Lights from a nice hotel. Just going to do world travels and meet with y'all. It'd, it'd be like a tour, but without concerts or any real activities. <laughs> yeah, it would be fun. It would be fun. You guys are already, I can tell, making Mrs. Hoglaw happy about this stuff. Says our daughter's bucket list is uh, to see the Northern Lights on our daughter's bucket list. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, got a lot of lot of lot of stuff happening in Hogue House here with y'all talking about travel. You're, you're, you're writing checks. I, I can't cash necessarily uh, right now. Zenob says, "Kind of surprising. Shipping water isn't cheap. Shocked they actually do it. I'm a little shocked too. I assumed it really was just a brand. Uh, meetups and headlines. <laughs> Broadcasting live from the Scottish Moors." It's Hangouts and Headlines. <laughs> uh, that would be fun. Finland and the Ice Hotel is on my list. Uh, Sweden has an Ice Hotel as well. Uh, and Northern Lights too, just saying. It's very lovely of you all to, to fight over me in the chat. I, I, I should travel more. We will travel. We'll see who we can get to see and what country we visit doing it. <laughs> I've been inviting people for ages. It would be nice to finally see someone, lol. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, Secret Mixed World. Travel is hard, especially in these years and especially with the age of my family. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. We'll see about what we can do. Heathers, let's not even talk about the water being shipped out of the Great Lakes. Yeah, absolutely. Water is one of those really interesting areas of law that I don't talk about because it's uh, not an area that I cover. Uh, but there are all sorts of fights, certainly out west, about moving... Uh, lake water, moving rivers, moving all sorts of things. We call it riparian rights because lawyers can't do anything that doesn't have a code word attached to it. And it is uh, it is an interesting area of law because it is a natural resource and there are these actual jurisdictional arguments over them. And it doesn't surprise me that the Fijian government gets involved in some of this stuff and says, hmm, 
Mrs. Hoglot, no, travel is not hard. The girls and I are great travelers. Someone else is not. This is just shade. Why is this shade? Why did I highlight it? I have so many questions I'm asking myself this morning. Hmm. Oh, well. All right. Well, folks, on that note, I would love to say thank you, everyone, to being in Hangouts and Headlines today. Thank you for all the Super Chat support and all the rest of the support that you guys give. We'll just leave this note up from Mrs. Hoglaw accusing me of being a bad traveler. I don't like airports. What can I say? Uh, that uh, I, I want to mention that we don't have Hangouts and Headlines on Wednesdays, which all of you know, I think, already. But it is the last day of the month tomorrow, so we will be doing question time, and I'll get that particular stream placard thumbnail placeholder thing up uh, later today. Uh, and if you are a Patreon or Utreon supporter at that level that asks questions, please do, do look out for uh, the question requesting post I will put up today uh, to do question time tomorrow. And we also do, of course, as we always do, community questions after uh, those specific supporter questions are answered. So you will get a stream tomorrow. 10 a.m. is when I do hangouts, uh, when I do uh, question time. So that will be tomorrow, Wednesday, November 30th. We won't have a Hangouts, and then I'll be back at it on Thursday. Uh, maybe covering some Amber Heard stuff, maybe not. Depends on what I see uh, in terms of headlines that I want to talk about with you all. But until then, look out for virtual realities. Look out for any of the, I don't even know how many videos I taped yesterday that will be appearing on other folks' channels. I will try to retweet those when I see them go up. And have a great Tuesday. Have a great Wednesday if I don't see you. And we'll have Hangouts and Headlines again on Thursday morning.